Welcome to WKJP News Radio, the podcast that talks about the 90s sitcom News Radio, but is also sort of like listening to a therapy session of your most boring couple friends. I'm not boring. I'm boring. That's true. <laughs> you are boring. <laughs> I am your host, Jordan, here with my excellent listener of a wife. That's false, but Kayleen. We both know that's false. Oh, sorry. I meant you're an excellent talker, and I'm an excellent listener. That's why we work so well together. Jack Spratt and his wife. Are you calling me fat? I'm just saying we <laughs> compliment each other. Well, this is off to a great start. <laughs> Today we'll be talking about Season 2, Episode 5, entitled Shrink. Kayleen, I like to ask at the top, how are you doing? It's been a long day. It's been a long day day. I took our kids to the zoo today. Mm -hmm. That was fun. It was a good fall day. Yeah, it's great. An extra hour long day even. Yes. Yeah. It is. The time has just fallen back. Remember when like daylight savings when you didn't have kids was actually awesome because you just got an extra hour of sleep and it just felt like I have an extra hour to do all the things I need to do. And now I'm like, I have an extra hour to entertain my kids, and it messes up nap time. Uh, yeah, they're just extra <laughs> exhausted at their actual bedtime now. Right. All right, so, Keeling, what have you been watching lately? Oh, um, news radio. Yeah. <laughs> this terrible show my husband makes me watch. <laughs> then he makes me, he forces me to talk about it. <laughs> um... Should we just get into the episode? Because we don't really have anything. What have you been watching? I haven't been watching crap. I have been watching news radio, and I've been editing the last podcast, and that's it. Hmm. That's all I've got. Good story. I have been surviving. Yep. Taking care of our kids. All right. Let's just get into the episode. Let's do it. This episode aired on November 7th, 1995. It was written by two writers I don't believe have written one yet, Andrew Gordon and Eileen Kahn, and it was directed by Michael Lembeck, who I believe is a new director as well. I did feel like some of the camera shots were really weird in this episode. Huh. Like, at the very beginning, when Bill holds out his garbage can to Lisa because he's mad about her throwing something away, they stand there, and then the camera zooms in between the two of them Mm. to, like, shoot Dave going into his office. Oh, weird. Yeah, it was like a really weird shot. I was like, why would they... I don't know. It was a really weird shot. I I guess I didn't notice I noticed it both times we watched. Huh. All right, so the synopsis of this episode is Dave agrees to bring in a therapist to counsel the staff and relieve some of the tension in the office. Guest stars John Ritter as Dr. Frank Westford. Keeling, do you know John Ritter from anything in particular? The thing I think about most when I hear about him is... I think he was in a TV or a movie called Stay Tuned. Oh, yeah. That was like people get trapped in like a TV show or a video game or not a video game, like a game show or something. I just remember seeing that movie as a kid and it being kind of scary to me. The like kids get pulled into the, no, the parents get pulled into the TV and the kids have to rescue them or something. Yeah, I don't totally remember, but that's like in my head, I'm. I have a picture of, like, the cover of the movie, and I think it's John Ritter and, like, his wife on, yeah. like, a game show or something. Huh. See, I believe they're, like, flipping channels or something, yeah. and then they, like, go into the different programs that are on the different channels. Yes. But I also might just be thinking about the Treehouse of Horror spoof. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. But, like, sometimes I get that movie confused with um, 
Pleasantville, which is totally different. I know that, but it's like people being in a TV show, kind of. Yeah. And then there's another movie, too, I feel like that has people kind of getting sucked into a television. But yeah, I'm pretty sure Stay Tuned is like, they get a, um, what are those called? Like the satellite dish. Mm-hmm. And then it's those big satellite dishes in like their backyard. Mm-hmm. And then something happens and one of them's in the backyard and they get sucked into it. But there's like, isn't the kids or the parents? I can't remember. But I don't anyway, remember. No. I just feel like that's the movie I remember John Ritter from. But then apparently you told me he was in Problem Child, which I like those movies, but I don't remember him. Very much in them, for whatever reason. He was the dad, the adoptive dad in Problem Child. Sure. And you and I watched Problem Child probably about ten years ago at this point. You were like, hey, let's watch this. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I was allowed to watch those when I was a kid, so I watched it, and... You were traumatized. They were awful. Like, (laughs) do you remember when we watched the 2019 Cats? It was about the same. That was my birthday present. Yeah. That um, was bad. No. They were... Problem Child is not as bad as Yes, it was. It was awful. I was upset <laughs> you were upset you're like offended when movies are bad Not like I am, a, I am offended that my eyes and my ears have to pay attention to this garbage i don't know about that uh i was especially offended by the second one because it was so garish they were doing something with the cinematography where there are all these like primary colors do you remember that and it was so awful to look at oh it's like a clown bedroom they, like, move to a new town, and everything's in yeah. red, blue, and uh, yellow primary colors. I don't really remember that. Oh. I think that's the one that ends with, like, a big love rock. Yeah. Something ha- magical happens at the love rock or something. I'd like to watch those again. I just... You won't do that. I don't, I don't think I can do it. Hmm. <laughs> All right. In scene one, we have Dave and Lisa coming into the office. Uh, Dave doesn't even want to come in because the mood in the office has been so abysmal lately. The first thing we see is that Matthew is sick at his desk. Joe's trying to help Matthew with his computer, but they're squabbling. <laughs> I mean, they, they squabble like our two kids do, basically. Yes. Bill is yelling at Lisa about putting trash in his trash can. Um, Beth is just sitting at her desk, kind of like stewing, not answering the phone when she's supposed to. And then the cold open ends with a sight gag of, it's for you, Dave, and the phone being thrown into Dave's office. That's really violent. Yeah. It's a throwback to two or three episodes ago with Goofy Ball. Do you remember when Dave's in his office and he bends down and the Goofy Ball soars over his head and breaks stuff behind him on the wall? I don't think that's a throwback. I think it's just people throwing things in his office, but... I just mean it's a very similar situation and very similar shot. So after the credits, there is a cubicle around Bill's desk. Joe is trying not to rat him out, but basically giving Dave no information about why or how. Um, But Matthew just rats Bill out immediately, says he put it up with his own money. Um, I really do like how Dave looks to Bill in the booth and gestures at the cubicle, and then Bill just gives him the thumbs up, like, nice, right? I actually wrote cubicle. Good idea. Hmm. I would like that. Yeah? I would hate to be in an office where it's like... An open plan office. Oh, yeah. yeah I that, would hate that. That looks unpleasant. I know. Cubicles also seem unpleasant, but the idea that I could have my own cubicle and everyone else has to be open floor pan i'd be okay with that although i did kind of think like does he i mean bill was he even do at his desk like why couldn't he find some random corner or something that's a great question you know yeah bill why is there a cubicle around your desk last week you told us we should all find ways to relax 
I need complete privacy to relax. Well, that really wasn't what I had in mind. I mean, if you thought about how this will make your coworkers feel. Actually, one of the great things about the cubicle <laughs> is not having to think about my coworkers at all. I also heard that I bet that was hard to shoot around. I bet it was. You know. But, I mean, that's kind of the point, is that it's visually sort of like uh, an obstruction. Sure, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, uh, as Bill goes in there, there's classical music and smoke coming out from the cubicle. So one of the running gags through the episode is, you know, what is he doing in there that allows him to relax? Dave walks into his office and Mr. James is basically in a fight with somebody on the phone. But it turns out it was just a wrong number because he misdialed. So the amount of aggression you would have to have to start a screaming match with somebody on the phone, presumably a stranger because you misdialed. And even Dave says like, well, I doubt they'll ever make the mistake of picking up their phone again. <laughs> so yeah, there's got to be a lot of tension in the office, as Mr. James says. Mr. James is going to call in Dr. Frank Westford, who's a psychologist, psychiatrist, I forget which one. They said psychologist, I think. Hmm. He's a professor. That was something I wondered. I was like, well, he's a professor. Does he actually have a practice on the side? I can't imagine. Like, how could you be a full-time professor and have a private practice? That's a good question. But then I was like, well, maybe he is a professor and then he just kind of facilitates sessions or whatever, like, for fun. <laughs> he could be a former professor. I mean, if he sure. was a professor back with Lisa, maybe he's not anymore or maybe he's does other things now. Sure. So in the next scene, Dave is at the conference table with everybody. Everybody is super edgy, and Dave tries to get all the bad vibes dispelled by, you know, bringing everybody's problems out into the open, but nobody wants to talk about anything, and they kind of turn on him when he tries to get them to open up. Um, but they all perk up at the possibility of bringing in Dr. Frank. Apparently they have had really good experiences with him coming in and doing one-on-one -on -one sessions with them before. And it also turns out that Lisa knows Frank. He was her psych professor in college. I feel like it was really presumptuous of him that, like, he thinks his employees would want to talk to him in an open forum like that. I don't know. I'm just like, that seems like a really big risk. Like, mm -hmm. That seems very vulnerable. And then when people don't want to talk to him, he's like, he's offended. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, do you want people to treat you like you're a therapist? Like, that's, you're not. You're their boss. Yep. Why, you know, neither of us is in managerial roles at our jobs, sure. but when I've talked to people who are at my job, they've said like, yeah, going into being a team leader, there's a light switch that happens. We're just like, oh, people stop opening up to you in the exact same way. And even if you're like friendly and helpful and whatever with the people yeah. beneath you, like they don't, they're guarded around you in a way. Which totally makes sense. Like, uh, yeah. You're directly supervising them. Yeah. Like, like you could get them in trouble. You could like, you have a lot more control in their life. So like, it's not as safe to be vulnerable with you anymore. Yeah. Like, yes. Duh. Yep. In the next scene, Matthew is talking to Bill across the cubicle wall. Matthew really wants to like visit, but, um, Bill says there's a no visitors policy. Uh, Matthew's not even allowed to peek in, even though Joe is in there. But Bill also says, like, he can just stand on his tiptoes and see right over the edge. Like that was just like, I did like the visual gag of like Bill leaning just slightly to keep his head, sure. <laughs> to keep his head blocking Matthew's view. And he says, Joe is there on official business. I actually feel like that would have made sense if Joe had been like installing something or like, you know, no, I'm, you're exactly right. That's what I thought was going to happen right. and it didn't. So Matthew says, is that smoke? because Bill right. is smoking in there, and Bill says, well, I certainly hope not. I'll go downstairs and check. 
which is one of at least two, maybe three instances where he does the right. <laughs> the typical sight gag of uh, going down the stairs behind a wall. Yeah, the second his head popped up, I was like, oh, he's going to go downstairs. And there's the elevator, too. Keelan, why does this make me laugh? I laughed both times I, I watched know. that episode. It's so corny. There's so many things you laugh at at this show that I'm like, why are you laughing Why right is now? that so funny to me? I, don't I think know. it's Phil Hartman. You just, I think that when you decide you like someone, they can do almost anything and you're like, that's funny. Because you just think they're funny. <laughs> Maybe. I try to be open-minded and like, if a joke doesn't work with a particular performer, I try to acknowledge it. But like, yeah, something about... Phil Hartman doing the the gag with the cubicle wall just gets me every time. I know it's it's ridiculous. The cubicle basically kind of reminds me of Snoopy's doghouse in the sense that like everyone's kind of curious about what's in there, and it's mm. sort of like there's the hint that like there's something more exciting in there than there actually is. You know how Snoopy's doghouse yeah, had, like a yeah, basement. Yeah. There's always like stuff. you pull stuff out of it. Right. Yeah. Doctor Frank arrives, played by John Ritter. Um, the first thing I noticed is he's super handsy with everyone, especially the women in the office, like big hugs and like rubbing their back and like rubbing mm-hmm. their arms and just like every therapist I've ever had or every, you know, professional in that capacity I've ever interacted with has been very like professional and hands off. I don't even know that if I've like shaken their hands. <laughs> so the idea yeah, of like somebody like I think maybe one of them gave me a hug once at like yeah. And I wasn't going to see her anymore. No, that's true. Like, I don't think I've ever even hugged one of my therapists. Yeah. Which is interesting, because, like, there are ways in which you're so vulnerable and yes. intimate, but, like, it would make sense that part of your training as a therapist would be, like, people are sharing a ton with you, and so, like, it can be hard to maintain boundaries, and so it's your job as the therapist to maintain boundaries, physical and emotional, and... Yeah. So... Huh. But also, he's not seeing them in a professional sense, either. It's like, hard. remember, they met him because he did an interview on their show. But don't you think that they're opening up to him in... I mean, don't you think that whatever they told him would probably be covered by doctor-patient privilege? I don't know. Like, if you... Let's say you have a friend who's a doctor, mm-hmm. and you talk to him about something medically related. <laughs> Is that covered under doctor-patient privilege? That's a good question. I... Because, don't like, know. they don't turn off their knowledge or their abilities just because they're not in their office. Yeah. We're just, we're, we're We don't know what we're talking about. We don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. No, I just, I don't think that he is seeing them. Like, he's, like, they are not his patients. Like, he's not taking notes after the session and, like... Yeah, it's more like the situation would, like, prescribe of, like... prescribe medication for them. Oh, or, no. You know, yeah. I, it's more like the situation of, like, if something traumatic happens at your workplace and they bring in a grief counselor. Yes. Like, if that, is that grief counselor your therapist in any meaningful sense. But I feel like it's even more, it's more casual even than that though, because like, again, he met them because he was doing an interview on their show. I think that's just historical. I just think that's how, like how they happened to get in touch with him because he's, he has come in since then. No, I know that. But that's my point is that like the first time they met him was in a casual, friendly way. Mm -hmm. And then they were like, Hey, come visit us again. And then he probably just was like, Oh, I'll talk to you. Oh, I'll talk to you. And now it's like, I don't know. I don't even know if the word therapy is the right word. Oh, see, I thought they had brought him in before doing exactly what he's doing now. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's like a formal thing. It's like, hey, come to the office today. Chat with everybody. You don't think he's getting paid for being here today? No. Oh, interesting. I assumed he was. No. Huh. Okay. No, I imagine it's more like, 
what's his name, Mr. James called him and was like, hey, you should come by. We'd love to see you. Things are kind of rough here right now. See, that to me feels like somebody who's like a masseuse and somebody gives sure. you a call and is like, hey, can you just come in and like um, give everybody back rubs today? And you're sort of like, um, no, that's my job. Like, that's what I do. And even if I like all of you, like, sure. that's what I do for a living. Huh. But I mean, I don't know. I, I assume he's still a professor. And so like, I, I guess know. we don't know. Yeah. Hmm. It is interesting to have someone on this show with me to watch these episodes with because it would not have occurred to me to read it the way you did. Yeah. But I don't think either of us is clearly wrong. He doesn't seem hired to me. Okay. So, yeah, John Ritter just does not do much for me as an actor, sort of, I do not buy him as a therapist. Definitely not. He's just a sex addict therapist. We'll get into that. Yeah, I just, he doesn't. He's not very funny in this episode. I mean, like, he's not given a lot to work with, but I just, he's never done much for me as a comedic actor. Mm. So, uh, Dr. Frank is able to call out Bill for smoking, but there's, you know, a bit of a gag where Bill's got several more packs of cigarettes stashed in the cubicle. Uh, One repeating thing he says to everybody is, stay healthy, we need you. Yeah, the first time he said it, I was like, oh, that's like kind of a nice thing to say. And then I was like, oh. No, he says it to everyone, and then it's not nearly as special. Yeah, especially with it makes a lot more sense if he's talking about Bill smoking as opposed to just like... Right, just in general. Just in general, stay healthy. Yeah. Dave gets a vibe from Lisa and Frank that there's something between them. He asks her, and he sort of is very gentle and hedges a lot about it, but Lisa readily admits that she and Frank had a fling. Dave is kind of appalled. I just want to ask you something. It's just a, a gut feeling I get, and I, I, I apologize for even asking. This is this is silly, but was there something between you and Dr. Frank? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Dave, I told you about this when I was in college. You slept with your therapist? No. Your therapist? No, he wasn't my therapist. I would never sleep with my therapist. He was my professor. <laughs> you slept with your professor? Yeah. I mean, isn't, isn't that illegal and disgusting? Illegal? No. Inappropriate? Yes. Disgusting? Hardly. (laughs) Look, it was just a fling. We've been friends for a long time. Lisa, I'm ready for you. In the next scene, Dave is pacing outside of his office. Beth says he looks like a rat in one of those educational films about cocaine abuse. (laughs) Yeah, I actually clocked it as a 90s thing. Yeah. So Dave contrives a reason to go into his office, and uh, once he's in there with Frank and Lisa, he lies to get Lisa out of there. It's nice seeing him being a little more insecure for once. Yeah, this is definitely a case where he's... I mean, he doesn't lose it like Lisa always does. But, like, (laughs) it's nice to see him being a little bit like, hey, I don't really like being around somebody who slept with my girlfriend. Yeah. Is she even his girlfriend? I don't even know. Yeah, that's coming a little bit later. But, um, yeah, he's he's very insecure throughout this episode. But what is he more insecure about? It's almost like he's he's honestly, I would say, more insecure about the fact that, like, everybody's opening up to this therapist and he's offended that they're not doing it to him. Like, this therapist gives everyone the same advice that he does. And why do they listen to the therapist and not yeah, to me? You're ahead of us. But, um, yes, it's nice to see the roles reversed there, which is to say Dave being insecure and Lisa being totally like, what's the big deal? Mm-hmm. In the next scene, Matthew is standing up to Bill outside his cubicle. He's kind of reading him the riot act, telling him, like, hey, you have to take down this cubicle and stop smoking, and who do you think you are? And then uh, Dave is kind of like, well, what are you doing? And he says, don't stop me. Dr. Frank told me to stand up to Bill, and Dave says, well, I give you that advice all the time. And then Bill walks up behind him, and we have the classic sitcom line, he's standing right behind me. Oh, yeah, he? I totally called that. <laughs> 
I was as he was saying his speech, I was like, he's not in the cubicle, <laughs> right? Which I did write. Why does Matthew care so much about the cubicle? Does it really? I think it must be something more like a rule following type thing. Mm. I don't know why he cares so much. Kind of like he's like you said, like who do you think you are that you just get to have special treatment or you just get to have things and yeah, different than everyone else. Like you, that's not fair. Yeah, the cigarettes made sense because we know how much Matthew hates smoking in the office. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm not sure. I stopped to think why. Like maybe he's jealous. Could be. I would be jealous. I would want. I would be like. I want a cubicle now. Yeah. Actually, be- that would have been funny. Oh, say that again. Like, that would have been funny if they would have had everybody in the office get cubicles. I don't know. Like, you would have come out and you would have seen, like, one around Matthew's desk, one around Lisa's desk, one around Beth's desk, and then, like, Dave has to, like, go in between that. I don't know. This would have been kind of funny. Yeah, that could have been a good sight gag. It would have to be a sort of different episode to have that escalation, but they could have done that escalation, I guess, at the beginning of this episode, and then everyone's so mad at each other they can't stand. Yeah. Yeah. Or they could have ended it like that. They could have done an ending or something huh. where, like, Bill refuses to get rid of his, and so then everybody gets one. Yeah. And, like, the last scene is them all in their cubicles or something. I don't know. That would have been funny. Yeah, that's, that would be a funny side gag. In the next scene, Joe is helping Matthew. What are you doing? Dr. Frank thought I might feel better about myself if I tried helping Matthew instead of tormenting him relentlessly. <laughs> look, Joe, look, you don't, you don't have to automatically do anything that Dr. Frank tells you to do. I know that, but I am starting to feel better about myself. You got a problem with that? Don't you have work of your own you should be doing? David. What? This is an important step for him. Please don't crap all over it. Frank has led Mr. James into a deep meditative state in his office, but it turns out that Jimmy is just really asleep. Um, so I he told w- you that couch looks so comfy. Yeah, you said something about the couch. What was it? I want to take a nap on that couch, but I just, I need it to be like three feet longer. It's way too short. Like, like that is the exact type of couch that I would sit on. I would always want to nap on and then I would never get fully comfortable because I'm tall and couldn't stretch out fully. Yep. It's not short enough that you could let your legs dangle over and hinge at the knees, but it's not short enough. So it's not long enough that you could actually fully stretch out on it. Dave admits that he isn't really a therapy guy. But at the same time, he kind of unloads on Frank and says that he resents the hell out of Frank coming in and offering the same advice to everyone. And for some reason, people listen to Frank instead of him. Um, But then he kind of walks himself through his own thought process and resolution of it, saying, well, at least they feel comfortable enough to open up to me. And the fact that they keep coming back to me means they respect my advice and so on. Um, And apparently in the 90s, that's what constitutes therapy. Yeah, I know. God, I wrote down that I'm glad that this episode is sort of trying to normalize going to therapy. Yep. But it's so clear that Dave has that really antiquated view that's like, oh, somebody's going to come in. Like, he literally says, like, someone's going to come in and mess with our brains. Yes. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, he says, like, oh, we're going to have to do hypnosis or role play. And like, brain what- leeches. Yeah, I know. I'm like, what do you think this is. Yeah, it's kind of out of date on both ends because there's that view that he has at the beginning and then later on it's corrected by like, oh no, you just talk to someone and feel better. And it's like, I think if we have any people out there listening who are therapists that if I were a therapist, that would kind of irk me a little bit to think like, oh "Oh, yeah, people just come in and talk to me and they feel better. Oh yeah. It's like when you're 
daycare or uh, like early elementary or early childhood educator. Yes. People think like, oh, you just finger paint all day with little kids. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, every job has that. Yeah, goldfish and naps. Yeah, like, that's what everybody thinks you do and then what I actually do. Yep. You know. So, yeah. If you have never gone to therapy, I'm not any sort of expert, of course, but it's a lot more interactive than that. And it's a lot more the therapist um, helping you reframe the kind of thoughts you're having. And and the therapist uses, um, like techniques Actual and strategies techniques and they've learned right they're not just talking to you like off the cuff like a friend like yes. they're they're responding to you with theory yeah <laughs> like yep. a practice mm-hmm. you know uh so dave also calls out frank for how unprofessional it was for him to sleep with one of his sophomore students it turns out frank was still going through demons of his own one of which was sex addiction uh, one question I had was, is this really the first time Frank has ever talked to anyone about his past problems? Oh, yeah. And why would it be Dave in this moment? Like, what a weird... You would think that somebody who is a psychologist would understand, like, hey, I need some professional help to, like, deal with this mm-hmm. problem. Anyway, so it turns out that Frank talks to Dave and feels better about that. And uh, Frank admires Dave's hands, suggesting that, oh, no, he's actually never really resolved his long-standing sexual issues. I don't... Yeah, I don't... That whole, like, left turn just didn't make sense to me. I guess, like, again, I think it was trying to be funny and, like, offbeat and kind of surprising. But, again, we're watching this in 2021 where, like, nothing surprises me anymore. And it's, like, the idea of a character being a sex addict is, like, yeah, and? Yeah, it didn't... Okay. It did not work for me the idea of it as, like, a joke in and of itself does not stand up anymore. And even, like, him coming on to Dave is supposed to be funny. Like, oh, oh, titillating. He's coming, a man coming on to a man. Well, he's he's a sex addict. He's such an animal that he, like, men, women, he's indiscriminate. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Students and faculty. (laughs) All right. In the next scene, Frank says goodbye to everyone. The last thing they tried to do is to get Frank to take down the cubicle. Frank is unable to talk Bill out of getting rid of the cubicle. Dave just pulls down one of the walls. (laughs) Bill is smoking a cigar in his undershirt and his Yankees cap. Kayleen, I need to know what you think. Is he nude? No. Or is he in his underwear? No, he's not nude. It actually would have been much funnier if he didn't have a top on. Ah. Because if he didn't have a top on, I would have assumed he was naked. Yes. But because he has a top on, I assume he has a bottom on, too. We can't see whether he's wearing anything right. below the waist, right. except for dress socks. Yeah. No, it would, I think it would have been a better gag if he didn't have a shirt on. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe network. Maybe Phil Hartman was uncomfortable yeah, doing maybe. that. Who knows? So Frank takes a long, lingering look again because he's a sex addict and can't help himself, I guess. I wrote down that I feel like... It would be much more likely he would go after Beth than Bill because, like, she clearly is really into him. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it, I feel like it's, like you said, like, oh, when someone's a sex addict, they just can't help themselves. They're, like, like an animal. Yeah, honestly, that that bit in the last ten minutes of the episode really kind of soured the whole thing for me is um, the sex addict jokes. Well, and also then that he would, he the only reason he slept with Lisa was because he's a sex addict. Like, that's... <laughs> That's kind of insulting or kind of lame. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't know. Actually, one thing we don't get, and I guess this kind of leads us into the analysis, is we never get any acknowledgement or recognition from Lisa 
about whether she knows that he had these demons. Sure. But she said they only did it once. Yeah. But don't you think that it would be interesting? Don't you think it would be interesting to hear what she has to say about yeah. unlearning I that? Wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if she didn't know. I mean, it seems like they're friendly. Sure. But, like, clearly they don't have a deep relationship. Yep. And that's the end of the episode. Keeling, did I miss anything? Do you have anything else to say? Nope. Okay. I didn't. I, the first time we watched this, I didn't take any notes. The second time, I just took a few. No lols this episode for me. Yep. The things that made me laugh are Bill's yep. elevator gag. Both the elevator and the stairs. I don't know why. I don't think anything else really made me laugh. Hmm. It was not very funny. I liked seeing Matthew sick. I just... That was a... <laughs> That's weird. I'm not saying I'm happy he was sick, but he just, like, played up being sick in a really, like, believable way. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, in terms of recurring gags, the only thing that I want to point out is that Matthew has computer solitaire up on his computer. Uh. And we're going to learn more in the next... Don't tell me. ...few seasons about how much Matthew likes computer solitaire. No spoilers. And that also seems very 1990s. To me. I did play a lot of solitaire. I liked at the end when all the cards would jump down. <laughs> Alright, Pam. <laughs> Alright. Which leads us into Yo, it's the nineties. Did you clock any nineties references in this episode? Two. Go ahead. They're not really good ones, but again, the smoking in the office. Like you just would never see that now. Yeah. Like maybe vaping, I guess. Right. But just the Bill wanting to smoke in the office and, like, continuing to smoke in the office. Yeah. And then the uh, educational films about cocaine abuse. Yeah. I saw some of those growing up, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have three, and we don't have any overlap. Um, one thing that I've already pointed out is just the idea of sex addiction as a punchline. I think this was just far enough in the past that people did not recognize that as a serious problem or right. something that could be, like... Interfere with your life. Yeah, Yeah. in a really negative way. The other two are just kind of topical references, like quasi sort of Murphy Brown references, which is Dave gets Lisa out of the office by saying that Moynihan's office is on the phone. He was a U.S. senator from New York. And then when... The Speaker of the House thing, right? uh, Chief of Staff. Or Chief of Staff, right? Yeah, Leon Panetta, who went... He was the Chief of Staff under Clinton, and then he went on to be a, a bigwig in the Democratic Party. But yeah, that's it. It was not a super... I mean, like we said, the views on therapy, either as, you know, like, messing with our minds, or just, like, just talk about your problems with somebody. Like, both are kind of outdated at this point. Right. But I did like that. It was nice that the idea of a therapist coming and to talk to people, like, help them feel better, you know, ease tension, ease stress. Like, they were excited about it. Yeah. And men and women were. Yeah. And... You know, it's funny, we didn't see Joe talking to right. Frank. No, you're right. It would have been nice if we had even, like... the like, tough guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, even if we had, like, a throwaway joke, less right. than 30 seconds about, like, you know, like, he right. walks into right. walks into his office and, like, says, right. you know, you're never going to believe what my mom said to me, <laughs> you know, yeah. or something like that. Um, that would have been nice. All right. So that's it for Yo, It's the 90s. Now it's time for... The game? The game!
Okay, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Oh, no. It's... <laughs> oh, no. So, the topic of this game is fictional therapists. Mm-hmm. Slash fictional psychologists, psychiatrists. Mm. I didn't really distinguish. As Britta Perry from Community would say, these are practitioners of the mental arts. Okay. <laughs> and they're all fictional. They're all fictional. So what I'm going to do is I have the name of the character the actor who played them, and I need you to give me the film or TV show they were in. Okay. So, I'm going to start out with the actor or actress. Yep. If you can name oh, the sure. movie or yep. TV show sure. from that, yep. you get three points. <laughs> if I need Kelsey to, Grammer. If I, need, <laughs> if I need to give you the character's name, you get two points. Fraser Crane. I'll also give you the region or state that they practice in seattle washington if i give (laughs) this is the only one i know if i give you that you get one point okay i can also show you a picture (laughs) of the character if i do you get zero points but you still get a little bit of pride (laughs) this is not gonna go well okay i'm ready okay how many do you have i have 10 Oh my god. So, if you... I just told you the one I know. <laughs> if you killed this, you would get 30 points. Right? If you... Yeah. If all I did was name the actor sure, or actress. Sure, Alright, ready? Oh no. Question number one. B.B. Newworth. Fraser. Or? Ooh. Cheers. Very good. Yay! That would be Dr. Lilith Sternen. Question number two. Judd Hirsch is the name of the actor. Nope. He played Dr. Tyrone Berger. Uh, Scrubs? No? Nope. Like a ER? Mm, nope. Okay, and he would have practiced in Illinois. I have no idea. Okay, I'm going to show you a photo. <laughs> I have no pride. I think I went from a fairly easy one as the first one to a fairly hard one as the second one. Oh, that's like an old show. Um, I don't know. Okay. This is the movie Ordinary People. Oh, God. Okay. I, I was, we did that play in high school. Okay. No. I thought maybe you would recognize that. It's a very famous no, sure. therapist relationship. Yeah. All right. Question three. Richard Dreyfus is the actor. Mr. Holland's opus. <laughs> that's like the only... Uh, he played a therapist. Okay, what's the character name? Dr. Leo Marvin. Oh, what about Bob? Very good. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I will never think of Mr. Holland's opus when I hear Richard Dreyfuss. Huh. What about Bob was a movie that my grandparents had, and so I'm just like super familiar with that movie yeah. all out of proportion to yes. you know it's being well known or whatever Do you remember but... i gave you that movie for valentine's day one oh year? yeah you did that was a good present yeah all right question number four bruce willis hmm die hard what else has bruce willis been in six cents very good. Yeah, three points. Woohoo! Nicely done. I didn't know. I was like, I thought he played like a police officer or something. I he didn't know. He played Dr. Malcolm Crow. Huh. 
I would not have gotten that based on the character name at all. Mm. Question number five. Marina Sirtis. Nope. The character's name is Deanna Troy. Oh, Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> I'm doing better than I thought I would. Well, good, yeah. Um, I wasn't sure what to put for this, so I said she would probably be licensed to practice uh, under the... <laughs> in the region of space. She's only licensed in the Alpha Quadrant. <laughs> no, I just said United Federation of Planets. I don't know. <laughs> On all the planets. Most of the planets. Question number six. Bill Murray. Ghostbusters. Very good. Do you remember the character's name? It's not Venkman. Is it Peter Venkman? Yes, it is. Who am I? That was great. Who am What a I? great pull. Good job. Thanks, Brain. Yeah. Question number seven. Lorraine Bracco is the actress. Nope. The character's name is Dr. Jennifer Melfi. Oh, The Sopranos. Very good. Yep. Wow. I am, I am killing it tonight. You're doing great. I can't believe I'm getting these. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's a great character. Like, that, that is a great relationship in that oh, show. Oh, she's, yeah, she's phenomenal. Yeah. All right, question number eight. Robin Williams. Goodwill Hunting. Very good. Do you remember the character's name? Sean. Sean McGuire. Very good, yeah. Yep. All right, question number nine. Russ Tamblin. Nope. Okay, that's the actor's name. The character's name is... Dr. Lawrence Jacoby. Nope. All right. He would be licensed to practice in the state of Washington. Nope. <laughs> All right. I'm going to show you a Jacobi. photo. Jacoby. Okay. <laughs> no idea. No idea. Okay. That would be Twin Peaks. Oh, I never saw that show. I thought you had. No, I missed out. My friends were into that in high school, and I, to this day, I haven't watched it. I feel like it's almost like at this point, it's kind of like when you miss something, and then you're like, why would I go back and experience it now? Because I just don't think I'm going to experience it. I, I know that I will not experience it the same way I would have a, when I was 17. Yeah. And so it feels like I don't want to, because it's not going to be good enough if that makes sense. Yeah, we were just talking about David Lynch in the previous episode because mm -hmm. I was saying I thought Edward Scissorhands was going to be right, more, more Lynchian yeah, <laughs> than yeah. it was. But um, I feel like Twin Peaks is yeah, worth seeing. Yeah, I mean, I should give it a try. I just... The first season is like eight episodes right. or something. Yeah, it's not very much. Yeah. Last one. David Cross. No. All right, that's the actor's name. The character's name is Dr. Tobias Finge. No. All right, he would be licensed to practice in the state of California, I think, maybe in Massachusetts. I actually have a question mark. Some super fan is going to, like, fact check to me. It's not six feet under. Nope. Good guess. What's the character's name again? Dr. Tobias Funke. He's not quite an analyst, and he's not quite a therapist, so he prefers to be called an analrapist. 
I don't know. Okay, I'm going to show you a photo. Sure. Oh, that's from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? No. No. Right? What show is he from? I don't know. No. What, you're looking at me like I should know this. I don't know this. What's your answer? I don't know. No, he's in that other show that I don't watch. Mm, what is it? That'd be Arrested Development. That's what it is. <laughs> I get that one and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia mixed up, and I don't know why. But in yeah. my, there are two shows I don't watch. I get it. I get it. I don't yeah. watch it. I don't watch It's Sunny either, but I do watch Arrested Development or did. So, yeah. Yeah. I kept waiting for you to say Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> Come on. Come on. The greatest psychiatrist of all time. Yeah, but that's just too easy. Is it? Yeah. So you did really well. I'm impressed. Let me myself. add it up really quick. You got 15 out of a possible 30. Hey, I wanted five or above, and that's exactly five if you... <laughs> yeah, exactly. At 50%. Yeah, so you either, like, really got it, like, either, like, twos or threes. More, a lot of threes. Nicely yeah. done. Or you got zeros. But well, if I don't know the actor, sure. then I'm screwed. Fair enough. And... A little bit of a teaser. At least two of those actors will Don't sh- show me up any in spoilers. Radio. I'm not going to tell you which ones. I don't want to know. I know one of them is Bill Murray. I don't really know. <laughs> Big name star like Bill Murray. Robin Williams and Bruce Willis. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's the game. Well done. Good job. I have I'm a little bit of, of pride left. Yeah. All right, now is the point in the show where we rate the episode. Kayleen, you have come up with the units. I have. For this episode. Brain leeches. Excellent. (laughs) On a scale from one to five brain leeches, what do you give this episode? 2.5. 2.5? Yeah. Okay. I want to say like 2.3, actually. Okay. 2.3? Two and a third. Third of a leech. Yeah, it's down there for me. I didn't have any lols. Uh, I appreciated that, like, they're trying to do something with normalizing therapy, I guess. But again, nah. The cubicle thing, I didn't see as an actual problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I uh, will give this 1.75 mm. brain leeches. I, your, I think that's your least, your lowest rating so far. Yeah, I would have to uh, go to the big book to check. But, um,. Check out the spreadsheets, but, um... You don't have any spreadsheets. Oh, God, yeah, you do. <laughs> I'd have to go check out the numbers, but, uh, yeah, that's one of the lower ones. I just didn't think this was very funny. Literally, the only thing that made me laugh was oh, the classical... Oh, we know. We know. <laughs> Sorry. Otherwise, yeah, it was not funny. Yeah. I always think, like, would this make it into the top ten, top five of a fan of this show? And if someone put this in their top ten, I would be like, what? Why would you do that? Because they're a John Ritter fan. I, you have to be a John Ritter super fan to do that. If somebody put this in their top five news radio episodes, I would seriously question their judgment. So, you hear that? <laughs> yeah, those are fighting words. Come at me. Uh, anyway, yep. I think this was kind of a waste of a guest star. Yes, it was. I mean, I don't, rem- I don't know how much of a 
big star John Ritter was, but like he wasn't nothing, and it just was like the role that he was given wasn't much of anything. Yeah, he didn't give much to work with. I yeah. agree. All right, now is the point in the show where we recommend. Kayleen, oh, would no. you? Why don't you go first? Okay. So this episode introduces us to a Dr. Frank, who uh, turned out to be a bit of a disappointment. So I would like to recommend a much better Dr. Frank. And that would be Dr. Frank Portman of the band The Mr. T Experience. (laughs) So I've been a fan of this band, The Mr. T Experience, for... As long as we've been together. 20 years? I mean... Yeah, no, that's true. Um, So yeah, I was a fan of them in high school. They are a pop-punk band from the Bay Area. They were kind of an outgrowth of Operation Ivy and that sort of pop-punk era. Um, They were one of the big bands on Lookout Records. They have a long discography. I I think they're currently defunct, but they've still got a a big back catalog of stuff to dig into. One thing you have to get over right away with this band is how stupid the name is. Like, I just take it for granted now. I don't even think about the name, but the Mr. T Experience is a fairly stupid name, I know. But once... (laughs) No, it is. It is. Yeah, it's bad. You can tell it's like a joke name that they just stuck with. But yeah, one thing I learned recently is that they have a best of record called MTX Forever. And if you're interested and want to look into it, that is an excellent place to start. Um, They've got a lot of their really, really solid songs on it. Otherwise, if you want to actually pick out one of their albums, I'm a big fan of their album Our Bodies Ourselves, which I believe is from around 97. Dr. Frank also has released several LPs, EPs on his own. He has an excellent song that makes me think of you. Do you know what it's called? Me? Yeah. You're impossible, baby. <laughs> You're exactly right. Yep. Yeah, you told me that when we were dating. Yes. That's Kaylee and do a T. I'm not impossible. I'm possible. Hey, 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 So check out Mr. T Experience. They have a ton of stuff on Spotify, so you can go there. Um, Otherwise, go buy their albums or whatever it is you do. Kayleen, it looks like you have something to say. Do Do you? you? (laughs) Does anyone get that reference? I am going to recommend something that kind of goes off of what I recommended last week. So last week I I recommended get the family photos, like get the photos taken, get the portraits taken, like have... Somebody take your portraits. Well, we got our portraits back. And then, of course, the next most obvious thing to do with them is to make our annual Christmas card. And I was thinking about how we have sent out a Christmas card every year for the entirety of our marriage. Mm -hmm. We sent one out. Our first one we sent out when we got engaged. That Mm -hmm. was the, like, we're doing a Christmas card together. Like, we're sending one out. And... I have every single one we've ever sent out. Mm-hmm. Like I have them all together and I just recommend sending out those holiday cards. I think it's nice. Everybody likes getting mail, especially now. Like all the mail we get is junk. We get so much mail that's junk every day. And one of the things I look forward to in the fall and winter is 
and you start checking the mailbox in December and you start getting cards from people that you haven't talked to in forever, but like, yep. oh, there's their nice little family or they have a little letter inside. And then we, we tape them up on our um, cabinets in our kitchen and they usually stay up until like February. Yeah. And then one day Jordan comes home and I've taken them all down and he's disappointed that they're not there anymore. I love looking at them. I know. I, it's, it's corny, but like, no. I just love just seeing all of our friends' faces and I all know. their kids and all their, you know. Sometimes like when we hang the ones up, like you get a card from your work and we hang it up because yes, it's just like, it's just a nice little gesture of goodwill for the season of just kindness and thinking of you and goodwill toward all Mm -hmm. I don't know and Jordan and I when we got engaged we started the guest list for our wedding that had a spreadsheet that had all of our friends and family's names and their addresses and then we just used that and edited it uh over the years and added more people onto it as we have become friends with more people and taking some people off of it as we don't talk to them anymore or whatever. But um, it's just like a nice little thing that we do. We send up probably close to like 70 every Mm -hmm. year still. So it helps that I have a husband that will address all of them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I make the card, he sends them. Mm -hmm. So send out cards this year. It doesn't have to be hard. I mean. We get cards from single people. Oh, yeah. And that's just as nice. Like take a picture with your cat. Yeah. Upload it to Shutterfly. Make a Christmas yeah, they card. Cost, they cost 50 cents a piece. Yeah. I mean, with the stamp, it's about a buck a person. Send them to 20 people. Like, they'll be yep. so happy to get mail from you. And, totally. You know, you don't even have to personalize it. No. <laughs> so, no. Christmas cards. Yeah, good recommendation. Holiday card. We don't discriminate. Yeah. Yeah. Fall, winter. I mean, one year we did a joint holiday slash we had a baby card. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happened. Because I didn't, I didn't want to do the postage to send out two separate announcements. So, hello everyone, it's the holidays, and a baby came out of Kaylee, and he's here now. Yeah, he made things really convenient by showing up like a few days before Christmas. Right, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yep, we just put a little Santa hat on his head in the hospital, took a photo. And sent it on out. There yeah. you go. That's all we've got. Anything else you want to say? <sighs> I hope the episodes start to get better. I, I'll be honest. I'm a little afraid that I'm not going to be a fan of news radio. Mm-hmm. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose steam. I don't hate watching the episodes, but sometimes I'm like, there's not a lot here. You're looking at what the next episodes are to see if they're good. <laughs> also keep in mind, as you look at this, Jordan, that you and I often have trouble predicting what the other will like mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. Totally fair. Yeah, I'm just peeking ahead at the upcoming episodes, and I feel like we're going into a good streak pretty soon. Okay. I mean, I'm here. I'm invested. Great. All right. So for next time, we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 6, entitled Friends. Hmm. The entire cast of Friends guest stars. I told you, I do feel like Lisa is a Jennifer Aniston knockoff, so... Yeah. And Dave Foley is a... He doesn't... He's a Gunther (laughs) knockoff. (laughs) I mean, honestly. I was going to say David Schwimmer, because they both have sad eyes. No, 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 no. They both have sad eyes. They both have, like, hangdog expressions. Nope. 
Gunther. Okay. <laughs> We've already I said... I will say Joe is a Joey knockoff. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say Joe is Joey Tribbiani. We've already called that out. Yeah. That would make Beth there Phoebe. Is, no. She's too spastic to be no, Phoebe. No, Beth is not a Phoebe. And there is no Monica. I guess I mean, Catherine can't, would be yeah, Monica. I say Catherine's the most together, but she's not neurotic. Matthew no. would be Chandler, because they're both kind of neurotic. No, mm. no, because Chandler is, like, too sarcastic and broken. And, I mean, like, Matthew's so sweet and soft. Ah, uh, sure. You know what I mean? So, Bill is Chandler. I guess so. <laughs> this has to match up. This has to match up perfectly. I mean, if anything, Matthew <laughs> is the most, like, Monica. Oh, interesting. But he's also not, like... He's kind of neurotic, I guess. Okay, so that's what we'll be talking about next time. For WKJP News Radio, this is Kayleen. Why? Why can't I do it? Let me do it. Okay, do it again. For WKJP News Radio, this is Kayleen. And Jordan. Signing off. Hmm. I can do it. You did great. I know. The theme music for WKJP News Radio is the song You Say But You Don't Know by the band Troubles Afoot. You can check them out on Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music, or wherever you find new music. Special thanks to Uncle Keith for our use of equipment and technical support. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can reach out to us at WKJPPod on Twitter or Instagram. You can also email us at WKJPPod at gmail.com. If you like our show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts to help us find other listeners like you. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.